High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Let's have this conversation about antibiotics, AMR, antimicrobial resistance, the resistance to microbial medication. So it's not just antibiotics. I have Vanessa Carter um, on the show today. Um, Vanessa, as I said, is an executive director and founder for the AMR Narrative and she is an award-winning antibiotic resistance patient survivor and one health advocate. Vanessa, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me and, and for the amazing introduction. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to be able to um, to share my narrative today. So thank you. Yeah, and such an important narrative, Vanessa. And I say that it can be an uncomfortable conversation only because you know when 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 we have to reassess how we do things and it could cause change or it, it you know it could require us to look beyond or to ask certain questions it's not always easy because going the antibiotic route is very often the go to although it's not just antibiotics we're we're talking about today um we're looking at micro my anti my, we're looking at antimicrobial medications but vanessa let's let's go back 18 years i mean you have an extraordinary story um and which has led you to where you are today and the advocate that you are. Perhaps you can just start off by telling us what, what happened 18 years ago here in South Africa. Yeah, sure. You know, thank you so much. So, yeah, I mean, so it was, it, actually it was 19 years ago. If I look at the, if, if I look at the date on my computer at the moment on the 27th of March, 2004, I, um, I went to dinner. Um, I was a passenger in a car. And um, the driver lost control and I was in the passenger seat and we kind of spun in the road. Uh, there was a car that overtook us on the wrong side of the road and we went into a violent spin and we hit into a concrete wall. And so this took place in Johannesburg. Most people know um, is, you know, that it's a very, very well-known road in, in Joburg. So, um I was kind of taken out the back of the car and I was put on the side of the road and I was resuscitated because of the injuries, um, which were quite, you know, quite complex. Um, I'd hit my face. Um, we didn't have an airbag in the car. So I hit it on the, the, the dashboard, um, on the casing for the radio. I had my seatbelt on, but I was leaning forward at the time. So, um, the seatbelt did damage to my stomach and I fractured my pelvic bone and I, um, and yeah, so it was, it was really, really Horrific. Horrific. Yeah. So they, yeah, so the ambulance came and they were amazing. I mean, they, they resuscitated me with the um, defibrillator and I didn't have medical aid at the time because I was only 25 years old. So they took me to the Johannesburg academic, uh, Charlotte McSeke academic hospital where I kind of lay in casualty for 13 hours, but eventually the most, uh, complex um, surgeries that they needed to do at that point in time was on my stomach. And I was in Joburg, Gen, Joburg Hospital for about a month and eventually discharged. I was faced with the most difficult, so not the most painful, but the most difficult challenge was to reconstruct the bone fractures on my face. So it was a, you know, broken cheekbone, what they call an orbital blowout. So the bottom of my eye kind of just smashed to smithereens, lost the right eye, broke my jaw and so on. Um, so that led me on to a 10-year journey uh, where I had to reconstruct the face and put together different super specialists to do that. 
And sort of in my sixth year, I needed different types of prosthetics, so different types of materials that needed to be implanted by different types of doctors. So it was an ophthalmologist, makes it a facial surgeon, plastic surgeon needed to, to do some work. Um, when they implanted this fourth prosthetic, I always tell the story like this. I went to Woolworths, actually, that day I went shopping. Uh, I came out, I got in my car, and I felt this moisture on my face, and I pulled down a rearview mirror, and there was this fluid coming out everywhere. And I went, wow, sure. what is this? <laughs> sure. So, you know, I phoned the plastic surgeon's offices, and they said to me, it sounds like you might have an infection. Come in. We're going to book you in for an emergency surgery. Um, and so we did that. What they call the debridement, meaning that they cleaned the prosthetic and they did a little bit of reconstructive surgery because the infection had damaged the, the, the skin. But two weeks later, after I was discharged, the infection came back again, but it was looking worse. And so we'd do the same sort of procedure. But two weeks later, you know, I'd, I'd, it would come back again. It would look even worse than that. You know, so all this time when I say it was looking worse, the tissue was being eaten away more and more and more by um, mm. whatever infection it was that I had. Um, you know, and then I kind of bounced between different super specialists. You know, one would say, maybe it's the sinuses, maybe it's the bone, maybe it's this, maybe it's that prosthetic. The prosthetic, the plastic surgeon kept saying the prosthetic should come out. Till eventually, 11 months down the line, the plastic surgeon did take it out in emergency surgery, and he sent it away for testing. And so this was kind of the first time that I heard, you know, that this is now being sent for testing. And I, he, he was actually, I was actually having an ENT surgery that day, and he was in the theater next door. And he came in and he took this prosthetic out. And I thought to myself, hang on, I haven't given this doctor permission to do that. And so that rang alarm bells for me. Um, why did he take such a risk on his shoulders? I could, you know, completely take him down for medical negligence. But I didn't. I didn't do that. Um, I phoned the laboratories, the pathologist, and I said, what, you know, what type of infection is this? Why doesn't it want to go away? Because I'm taking loads of antibiotics, going for all these surgeries, and why is it still there? So anyway, I asked for a copy of my test. And when I got it back, I had a you know, sort of a whole group of R's and S's, R's meaning I was resistant to the different antibiotics, certain antibiotics that I was taking, or susceptible, meaning I was, you know, some antibiotics could work for me. Um, and at the very top of the test was a, was a, you know, the wording MRSA, which stood for methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureus, which was a type of bacteria that I was now resistant to for the certain type of antibiotic that was being prescribed to me. We hang on one sec. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a pretty yeah. quick break, Vanessa, and we're going to come back and talk about this this AMR. Um, so stay Great. with us, please. Hi FM, your station of choice since two thousand and eight. Well, welcome back to the show. Um, I have Vanessa Carter on the show today. Uh, Vanessa is sharing her story um, going back 19 years. Um, and quite a story it is from a car accident, um, having tremendous damage done to her face, going for uh, numerous um, operations and then developing, going to a whole lot of different doctors. Um, we, we didn't really discuss, but there were so many different doctors involved in Vanessa's treatments. Um, and um, 
you know, each one prescribing a different antibiotic and then her face not fixing and this infection coming back over and over until eventually uh, being told she has AMR, antimicrobial resistance. And um, Vanessa, I know that the story just continues with, with, um, you know, with this idea that the, the antimicrobial resistance here, you have this infection, yet you cannot take any medication that can, that can heal this infection. So what, what was the way forward? Yeah. So Nikki, um, basically what I did in the end, I mean, I was told off, they removed this prosthetic that, um, they couldn't touch me, the area for a year. And I could see the doctors had then lost hope. You know, um, they, they didn't know because they didn't want to do too many surgeries going forward, but my face was worse than the time of the accident. So, um, I, I guess, you know, sitting in my office chair, I, losing hope, <laughs> I got online and I started searching for some of the best doctors I could find overseas. And I found, I was very lucky because I found a medical journal where there was a face transplant craniofacial surgeon. So craniofacial meant that he worked with both the soft tissue and the bone that was willing to give me a 30 minute Skype consult, you know, back in 2011, um, to give me direction. And I went, wow, this is amazing. And anyway, he gave me that Skype consult and he said, now go back in Johannesburg and go find a doctor that can do those surgeries for you, which I did. And I found an incredible, I mean, to cut a long story short, I found an incredible maxillofacial surgeon who's now retired, Professor Johan P. Reinecke, who was at the Sunninghill Hospital, who did what they call a zygomatic osteotomy. So what that meant was he cut the bone, he made sure that he didn't put any foreign objects in. I did, after the surgery, get a potential bone infection and allergy. But I keep telling people, you know, uh, uh, if we had had more failed surgeries from guesswork, it would have been much worse. So this was literally from one, you know, surgery that that we, that happened. Um, and then what Professor Reinecke did was he rotated different types of antibiotics and eventually, uh, you know, after three months, it subsided. We did a little bit of plastic surgery, very minor because the bone structure was right. And I could eventually uncover my face because that, that whole 10 years of time that I was going through surgeries, I used to be, I couldn't go out into public. I didn't have an artificial eye in. There was a big gap in my face. You know, my whole face was, um, if I took my child to school, you know, people would, the kids would say, what's wrong with your mum? You know, she's got a strange face. So, you know, even, even adults, you know, adults are quite, um, you know, they're not really, uh, they, they don't really understand, you know, if Mm. you've got a half head on your face and so on. So, Mm. um, so yeah, so that's basically where I got to. And, and that kind of led me on to when I became an advocate. Um, and one of the reasons for that was because I I couldn't understand earlier on in my journey why antibiotic resistance was not common knowledge to me, um, why this wasn't being discussed with me, why I didn't understand it. You know, it was such a huge problem, um, massive problem. I mean, it's one of the biggest problems that we have in terms of medicine. But as a patient, it was I was completely oblivious. 
Let me ask you this, Vanessa. I mean, this is your personal story, but when it comes to resistance to antibiotics, um, is it a particular kind of person? Do you have a predisposition to it? Or is it simply when you've been exposed to too many antibiotics? Um, you, you spoke about, well, I read, you know, with all the different antibiotics, there were some antibiotics that you stopped taking in the middle. Um, like there's really a protocol around taking antibiotics, which I don't think is always explained and communicated enough to patients like you should you have to finish the course um that you need to take it if your doctor says take it at a certain time you have to take it at that certain time it's actually quite specific and yet i think we are quite laid back when it comes to it so going back to my question did would it have happened to you regardless or is it because you had so many antibiotics within that short period of time and maybe you didn't follow the necessary protocols so, that, so, you know, so that's a very multifaceted question because, um, you know, I was, I was as guilty as my doctors were. And I'd explain why, because the same type of antibiotic was being prescribed for long periods of times by the doctors. And this comes down to treatment guidelines. Whereas in my case, I was, for example, stopping my antibiotics halfway thinking, you know, this antibiotic's not working. Uh, you know, let me go see the other doctor because the other doctor could probably get rid of this infection. And, you know, as I say, I didn't realize what the antibiotics were doing, what, you know, that they were actually treating the bacterial infection in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and so, you know, this is also an, an, an important conversation that I had with Professor Reineker in the end. And as you talk about like equal intervals, yes, if you don't complete your course, that's a huge problem because, you know, um, if a doctor says to you, take it for 10 days, take it for 10 days, you know, don't make that decision on your own. Don't stop it suddenly because you like, think you look better, you know, because you, you, you allowing that. So your body is made up of what we call a microbiome. You know, you've got different microbes in you. You've got your bacteria, you've got your, you know, and so on. Mm-hmm. And, and so you as a human don't become resistant to those antibiotics. It works very differently to something like a sleeping pill. You know, a sleeping pill works differently to an antibiotic. So, um, yeah, so I guess I, um, I, as I say, like, I mean, patients are often, you know, if they demand antibiotics, they're taken for the wrong reasons, yeah. um, which, as I say, in my case, I might have done, um, you know, then there's a huge problem with that because we are treating ourselves, we're treating our microbiome, we're treating the bacteria in our body unnecessarily. And this is one of the biggest causes of antibiotic resistance, which, as you said, you know, very rightly falls under the AMR umbrella. You know, because antibiotics, for example, were only created to um, target bacteria in our bodies, um, you know, not viruses. So if you have a virus, like, for example, COVID, an antibiotic is not going to work on that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it is it really is the go to. I mean, we, we, we turn to antibiotics very quickly. And I think especially in South Africa, um, we're very quick to to take the antibiotic and, you know, I mean, thank God for antibiotics. Right. But, um, you know, as we say, look at, look, look at what happened to you. And that's why, you know, the focus being on this and especially when we were looking, when we, you know, this show and, and cancer and, you know, it, there can be so many infections and then the go-to obviously would be the um, antibiotic, but there is this risk of the antimicrobial resistance. So mm-hmm. there is, um, 
what is coming up on the 28th for people who maybe want to hear? I think it's on the 28th of February. There's a rare disease day. Is this going to be discussed, Vanessa? Um, is, is there going to be a highlight on antimicrobial resistance? Yeah, so, so the AMR narrative is a charity that we are, I mean, I live in the UK at the moment, um, even though I came from Joburg originally. And I'm a busy, I'm busy establishing a, a, a charity that is going to focus on raising the voices so that, you know, hence the name, the AMR narrative, raising voices across the spectrum of exactly, you know, how antibiotics and antimicrobial medications. So that could be antiparasitics anti-malarials, antivirals, um, you know, they all treat different types of microbial infections. Yeah. So so this tweet chat, for example, is going to be focusing on uh, on Rare Disease Day, how antimicrobial medications like antibiotics impact patients that rely on them. Okay, so so in other words, I'll just give an example. Cystic fibrosis, cystic fibrosis patients, um, rely on antibiotics uh, quite extensively because they have an immune compromised system. Craniofacial anomalies I, I talk about quite often because those rely on continuous surgical interventions. You know, so in my case, for example, where you have to have ongoing surgery and, and if the antibiotics not prescribed carefully or, you know, um, precisely. And this is also where diagnostics come in because if you don't have, you know, precise diagnostic to say, well, you know, this is a type of infection this is the type of microbe that is causing that infection. This is the type of antibiotic that you need or type of, you know, antimicrobial that you need. Um, so that's where the first tweet chat is going to come in. And so what we're going to do there is we, I mean, we are basically inviting patients, carers, healthcare professionals to come together and, and that'll be on the 28th of February, uh, at 6 p.m. South African time. And using the hashtag, the AMR narrative. And so for the next year, we've got, we've got uh, events planned around the hashtag, the AMR narrative. Um, so, next. So Vanessa, how can people, sorry, how do people attend? Cause we have to, um, I have to take my next yes. How do people uh, get involved on the 28th of Feb? So what they can do is, you know, just, uh, they can go to our website. Okay. So yes. the website is the amrnarrative.org. And they can read more about the upcoming events um, and uh, and also subscribe to our newsletter so that they can, you know, see exactly what, you know, what, what they can get involved with. Um, and, of course, sharing stories. I mean, if, if anybody, our main objective is to is to try and empower people that have been through these, um, uh, you know, issues um, or have or want to enter advocacy, you know, by providing advocacy tools and so on. Um, yeah, and so, you know, becoming part of the AMR narratives is exactly what we're trying to do there. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for sharing your story and also for this, um, the AMR narrative initiative. Hopefully lots of people come on board and uh, you'll be sharing lots of stories, support and, and changing, hopefully, future narratives. We really do appreciate you coming onto the show today. Thank you. So, Nikki, thank you for having me. Thank you.
Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. So that's uh, on the 28th of February is Rare Disease Day. Um, and so all these discussions are going to take place. So if you're interested, um, just go to the website, amrnarrative.org. Um, read about the event. You can subscribe. Um, and uh, as I said, a very important conversation around antimicrobial resistance, especially, you know, with COVID, post-COVID, now with cancer, with uh, lots of infections, self-help. Um, self-care, et cetera, et cetera.